Hello and welcome to Nutmeg Book Drops, Elementary Edition. This podcast is brought to you by Librarians Connect, a group of public and school librarians from throughout the state of Connecticut. Find us online at bit.ly slash librariansconnect. On each episode, we will be discussing one or more of the 2023 Elementary Nutmeg Book Award nominees. You can check these out from your local library. Welcome. On this episode, we are thrilled to talk with Jay Dillard and Akeem S. Roberts, the award-winning team who wrote and illustrated the J.D. the Kid Barber series, published by Penguin Random House. We are here today to celebrate J.D. and the Great Barber Battle, which is a 2023 Nutmeg Elementary nominee. Hello, Nutmeg listeners. I'm Adrienne Snow, the Reading and Library Coordinator for Enfield Public Schools and an Adjunct Instructor at Tunxis and CCSU. I'm Ann Poirier. I'm a school librarian at Moses Y. Beach Elementary School in Wallingford, Connecticut. Good morning. I am Arthur J. Dillard. Uh, morning. I'm uh, Kim Roberts, the illustrator for JD and the Barber series. <laughs> J. Dillard, it seems like JD's story mirrors your own. What led you to determine that your story would be a great starting point for a children's book series? Great question. So I always thought my life um, was kind of fascinating. Um, reason being, because I kind of came up in a family-oriented environment. And I always thought that if I wanted to make a change, I wanted to put within a children's book form. And um, I kind of want to show the camaraderie, um, the church aspect, and it's a term that's widely used, um, but they say it takes a, a village to raise a child. Well, in all retrospect, you know, my neighbors, um, church, grandparents, mom, et cetera, help, you know what I'm saying, <clears throat> raise her children as well as other people within the community. Akeem, your illustrations combine a variety of styles to give JD the Kid Barber, his family and friends such a personalized look that readers remember what inspired you to design your illustrations like that? My inspiration was very, like I was thinking about iconic styles that I loved as a kid. So like Calvin Hobbes, Garfield, and, and like small like anime influences I tried to throw into there, but also like personalizing the characters to feel timeless. That's so like, like thinking about what I wore in middle school, like the clothes are a little baggy because your mom bought you clothes to grow into, like keeping that in mind and like knowing that things are hand-me-downs and like trying to keep that vibe that the family is like clearly like growing together and like loves each other. Even though the story takes place in a very real place in Mississippi, the elements of the setting feel common for so many readers. How do you think your travels around the country, JD, and your time in South Carolina and Brooklyn, Akeem, add to that universal feeling? So my mom is in the military, so I actually moved around a lot from like Germany, North Dakota, Texas, South Carolina, Maryland, New York, and like moving and like living in all of those places, I kind of like I guess like found similarities. So when it came to like creating a world, I made sure that I just like thought about all of those things that felt pretty universal. But I will say most of what I'm pulling from is like JD's home. I'm trying to like hit what my grandma's home looks like in Alabama when I like visit for the summer. It's just like a 
very nice, cozy neighborhood that was just like very welcoming. Um, for me, I was born in Mississippi and raised in New Orleans. My mother actually asked me to come back to Mississippi to finish my education. And in my case, I received a football scholarship and played, you know, football in Tuskegee. And then from that point, you know, working in DC and basically going to 46 states, 11 countries, kind of like, you know, mold how I view certain things from personal life to, you know, just life and the world within general. And I was always able to take aspects of my travel and be able to relate it back, even though Southern people are more so known to come up and speak. Um, <laughs> it was always the notion that people have their way in terms of being nice, but it wasn't always, you know, verbally. So I was able to take aspects of different places I traveled and had the tendency to relate it, you know, back to home because it was always some type of camaraderie that people had. It was from family oriented to actually friends or how they actually conducted business, et cetera. So just through my experience, it was always something that would actually lay me back to home. It was dealing with, like I mentioned before, the church aspect, if it's something within my household or my friends and stuff I was raised with and even coming to actually playing sports. Jay Dillard, we love JD. His spunk and creativity call readers to root for him as he challenges the status quo. Did you want him to have certain personality traits? That's another good question. I was a very energetic, somewhat weird, standout as a child growing up. I knew that I wanted to be different. I knew that I was different. And the fact that the way we mold the book in terms of people rallying around JD to give him that boost of confidence, because there've been times where therefore, you know, Within my personal life, including within the chapter series, you know, he gets disappointed with certain things because as my mom always say, things don't always have to go your way. Things don't always go your way. You have to look at the positive in terms of the things that's also, like she said, doesn't go your way. So in terms of building that particular situation out, it was exciting to know that people was actually rooting for JD, but not really knowing exactly what the outcome was going to be. Because like I said, when he came to that actual barber battle itself, people really didn't know exactly which way it was going to go. So but just knowing he put in all the efforts, put together the flyers going out and just having people between his community in addition to school, he kind of helped rally behind him. I think that particular situation helped fuel the fire and let him know that like, hey, you might be this young, but we also standing behind you. You know, we got your back and we know that you're going to do great things even if you accomplish this situation, it's tabs or you don't. What a wonderful message for kids. I have a spoiler alert. Readers may develop a soft spot for JD's sister, Vanessa, and her excitement to work side by side with JD by the end of the story. Did either of you have siblings who copied your ideas? Were you flattered or frustrated? Being the youngest, I definitely didn't have anyone following me, but I was following my brother. So like, <laughs> he was basketball. So I would like play basketball in the neighborhood too. But like, we both have like our certain things. Like my brother was like very speedy and like going up and doing layups, playing his game. But I was very like calm, cool. And like the three shots, Seth Curry kind of vibe, you know, <laughs> like just <laughs> not, not trying to get too intense. <laughs> but like, I feel like I can understand from that view of like hopping. I hope he felt flattered for me playing games with him. <laughs> In my case, my biological sister's name is Vanessa, and she went on to become a professional hairdresser. She legitimately, when I went on to college, she took over my room and uh, <laughs> began to do her friends in the neighborhood, and she 
went on to become a professional hairdresser, opened up her own salon in Mississippi before she went on and moved out to state. And now she's a, she's a professional chef and have her own spice lines. Yeah, it was a little flattering not knowing that, you know, I will leave a footprint slash blueprint in the house. When you're young, it, it wasn't cool. You know, because, you know, somebody coming behind you and I didn't look at it as an influence then because you're young, you know, that was the ignorance of me. But as I got older, it was definitely inspiring just knowing that I, I left a footprint and a blueprint, you know what I'm saying, for my siblings. And they would be interested within uh, the glam industry. So, yes, yeah, I got older, it was definitely exciting. Akeem, your bio tells us you have also worked on My Little Pony. Some of our nutmeg readers are very interested in that world. Can you tell us a little more about this work and how it compares to illustrating books where you are creating the characters? The story that I worked on was between uh, Celeste and Luna. It was more of like uh, them working through, I guess, family trauma. It was really good. And it continued from season nine where the series ended off. So technically this is that like little series was like an extension. And to prepare for that, I basically had to watch all of My Little Pony because I just had to just like know the lore, know everything. I'd always like try to put like little trinkets and jokes in the background. So like, I can't just like come up there like not knowing half of the story because like fans will be upset. I just like binged the whole series. I, I got opinions on the characters that you eventually do when you're watching like nine seasons for like more personal work, I guess. Like it's cool to like make your own characters and watch those characters because at least with My Little Pony, I had to like think of how like these characters would act. And like, they weren't mine. It wasn't like I could be like, oh, I know what that person would do. It'd be like, I'm not sure, but I believe. <laughs> and I'm trying to stay true to that. For, um, for JD and the Great Barber Battle, since JD is based on Jay Dillard, how did you uh, get ideas for how you would illustrate that book? Did you look at pictures of JD when he was young? Or did you kind of develop your own well, I personality? Actually, did not know what JD looked like because we didn't meet until like until the books were done. I like got a call from Gila uh, to like if I wanted to like work on the series, and I was like absolutely. And then I just had like a weekend to like work on it. I was like reading JD's log line it was like so quick I felt like those characters kind of just came to life rather than like overthinking them and making them like very strict but like certain things that like even I implemented that I didn't think about like for instance JD the main his cheeks are like a little blocky but like in the character design world if you have a square that means character is like solid and like always dependable but I also make him like very curvature. So that means that he's like friendly, cute. So like that character is like friendly, cute, but also very dependable. And I like tried to stick with those like small character designs, like always sure like even his brother looks very similar sometimes to JD, but I thought of that in the way of like families have same faces. Like, you know, like there's features that are very strong in a family. Like for instance, I look, like a spitting image of my mom. I remember one time <laughs> in Alabama, I was like looking through these photos and I saw this like, it was a girl with like pigtails. And I was like, what am I doing there? My mom was like, that's me. I wanted to keep that also in the characters and like Shady's brothers drawn a little more soft, like a little more like circular, just some of a cutesy character. But like 
trying to have those facial features and stuff run throughout the family and keep that in mind. Jay Dillard, your bio tells us that you travel widely while working as a barber and that you opened your first barber shop while still in college. Can you tell us more about this work and how it compares to the creative process of writing? Backtrack a little bit. I attended school at Tuskegee University. I received a football scholarship in 96, but therefore I was done playing by 97. I had appendicitis that burst and I caught an infection. Stayed in the hospital six weeks and I kind of mentally made up my mind that um, I wasn't going to play sports anymore because I was just mentally out of it. I was more so in survival mode. Dropped major weight. At that time, I had my girlfriend, my mother there. And then from that point, I didn't want to be looked upon as a college dropout. So I took some time off the hill, get better. When I came back to school, I was still cutting hair from time to time, but I knew I just had this particular gift that I turned into a hobby that turned into me making money while I was in school. And I went into a barbershop for about a year, didn't care for it too much. And the girlfriend I was dating at that time was my first investor. And she gave me some money, about four or $500. This thing is extremely affordable then. I went three blocks down and I took over this old cell phone place and opened up my first barbershop in 99. It was called University Barbershop 1881 after the year Tuskegee University was erected. I did something that was a little different to limit my competition. I went and hired the different people that was cut in here in the dorms. I went and pitched to them to come into the shop, maybe 30 days of free booth rent. So instead of me having competitions and trying to fight for these students, you know, I brought those haircutters into my shop and uh, I forced a relationship with them. And then from that point, you know, the shop took off and it began to grow expeditiously. And that alluded to me opening up more shops throughout the state of Alabama. I ended up having four shops while in school over a 10 plus year span, but I kept the flagship location for almost 20 years in Tuskegee before I eventually just um, let a gentleman who I recruited to work in my shop, he graduated and just continued to stay there and he took it over. So in terms of my travels and dealing with my haircutting, the beautiful thing about the hair industry, what I truly love is you have all walks of life that comes to your chair. You know, boy or girl, male, female, doesn't matter. And dealing with the different personalities and also dealing with the different types of hair from kinky to straight to coil, et cetera, um, it kind of keeps you on your toes. So that being said, as my career began to expound and I began to travel more, I knew that I couldn't be restricted to what I was used to dealing with, meaning cutting hair while in college. Um, you begin to, like I mentioned before, get all different walks of life. For you listeners, uh, I'm a self-taught barber. I never went to barber school. I taught myself how to cut hair by mimicking and watching other people. Um, please be advised. Um, I would recommend that now but when i was coming up there wasn't any youtube there wasn't any haircutting charts it was not apprenticeship it was none of that during that particular time so it's just more so mimicking and just having to give the word with all the patience and like you see through the chapter series i had a lot of uh <laughs> people that i kind of you know ran through and messed up before i began to get better but needless to say that it keeps me on my toes it keeps me wanting to be fresh it keeps me always wanting to learn and it's one of the things we say within the glam industry is always be a student, always want to continue to learn, you know, and it's always wanted to do clip over comb, you know, color enhancement, whatever it is new that's kind of either trendy or just something that will be able to enhance your skill set. Um, that was something I always do. I keep mannequins with me from time to time. I'll take some time out of my day a week whenever I get a chance. 
and I hop on some um, some YouTubes or whatever I can, or some people that I know personally, and I try to pick up some additional tips that I can be prepared for, especially me traveling and working movie sets. I did an apprenticeship, and I'm a licensed barber in the state of Alabama as well as the state of Georgia. Jay Dillard, that sounds like um, you had an amazing business plan and inspiration to get your um, your barbershop business off the ground and such creative thinking with bringing in the um, the other college barbers. How do you think those skills help you as a writer? The question is kind of like spot on because when it comes to reading, well, more so writing, it kind of makes you think and keep you on your toes. And reason being is because I wrote my first book back in 2015 and then I was approached by actually doing something based off my life. So actually having to go in and challenge myself to really talk about my past, which they felt would be more exciting than what it is I originally wrote, it was challenging. So for me to go back and just begin to think and remember certain instances and years and dates, that was extremely challenging for me. So, and then once I got started, things became very easy. And what I mean by comparing those two, once I figure out a particular haircut, um, knowing certain patterns and head shapes and uh, how to part and what particular scissors and guards and things to use in terms of trying to create a particular masterpiece or a haircut per se, it kind of alludes back to me actually dealing with my writing because once I was able to begin to remember certain things, then I was able to really go into Google Docs and I just began to flow. So it kind of works like hand in hand. Um, if there's certain instances when I'm writing the manuscript that I struggle with, it loses me back to like a new or different type of hair texture or maybe a haircut a particular client is requesting. And it's gonna take me time to figure it out. And it's basically just practice and just constantly going over and going over it. And what I mean by that, the more they come back, the more I begin to figure things out, the more I can cut my time down. And it loses right back to me in terms of actually writing aspect. Because it took me, you know, six months to a year to do the first manuscript. They kind of work hand in hand with those two. And I still have challenges with certain hair because that's now that recon, that's the reason why I went back to saying, it's important to continue to wanting to educate yourself, get more information, seeing what's new out there. Don't be afraid to ask questions and knowing that is certain people that's out there that's willing to help you. But absolutely, they kind of work hand in hand when it comes to my professional career and now dealing with my new professional career, so. <laughs> Akeem, how does this also sound familiar to you with your process of illustrating? I 100% agree with JD where it's like, there's never a point where you feel like you know it all, at least in like my career as well. It's just like, you're constantly growing, you're constantly experimenting. Something new is always around the corner and it's like, you got it, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta learn it, you gotta figure it out and you have to adapt. And I just, I just think it's true across the board. So J.D. the Kid Barber is a series. Would you like to give our readers a few hints about what the kids in Douglas Elementary might be up to in the future books? Oh, wow. Um, I know we're giving out secrets now. Did you know <laughs> because of you all, the librarians, the educators, um, the book is doing extremely well. Thank you so much for that. Secondly, it has picked up steam. Um, we've gotten a lot of great things within the Latino community. And as of, we're currently on pre-sale right now for book one, two, and three of the J.D. Kid Barber series in Espanol. And it's due to be released nation, well, worldwide as uh, October 11th of this year. 
So that's extremely exciting. We have been approached about a potential holiday book. When talks about added on to the series to see how JD evolves moving forward. So, you know, as of right now, everything is, you know, we see, of course, there's no promises with anything, but we will see, but we are excited about what we are right now with the, uh, with the series. And we're definitely excited about this Spaniel series actually coming out, uh, which is very, very huge. The future is bright. So stay tuned, you know, and uh, we'll see what happens next. Oh, that's great. Kids are just going to be so excited to see what JD is up to next. Absolutely. And I love that I can buy this, the Spanish versions for my libraries too. That's so cool. So our last question is kind of thinking about our listeners. Um, we love to hear about our nutmeg creators as young readers, writers, and artists themselves. What were you reading or drawing when you were in elementary school? I was reading Garfield. I thought those were hilarious. I don't know if they stand up for me today, but <laughs> back then I absolutely loved them. Uh, I also loved uh, Calvin and Hobbes, which also some stuff like went over my head, <laughs> but it still has a new meaning. And from there, I was like drawing like rugrats on TV to just pause it. I was just like trying to draw it as it was going. <laughs> and also like Dragon Ball Z and like Sailor Moon, my main like inspirations growing up in like elementary school. Um, for me, I was a big um, Dr. Seuss fan. You know what I'm saying? Um, that was some of my favorite, but I was really, really big into comic books. I was, had so many so many copies, different copies of the G.I. Joe series, The Amazing Spider-Man, um, you know, some of the Fantastic Four. I was really big on a lot of Marvel, you know what I'm saying, uh, comics. You know, Spectacular, you know, Spider-Ham, which is basically a pig that was considered, has spider senses and so forth. It's called The Amazing Spider-Ham. But in any event, I'm, I'm speaking my age now. We're talking about the 80s. But yeah, I was really, really big into uh, comic books back when they was like 60 cent and 75 cent and so forth and so on. Now they cost more than a novel, but those are things I was interested to, and I was a big fan. And um, yeah, between the Dr. Seuss's, and I was really big on the illustrator and how some of the characters looked and how oblong they were. It was kind of intriguing and stand out. And, and we talking about in the 80s, and I'm looking at how it has today's time, how it tested, you know, the days of time and how it's still relevant. And so for, for the future for myself and Akeem, um, that's another new goal on the bucket list. I would like to, well, we would like to get the series to, to, to test the time. I think it will. I mean, thinking about how popular Comic-Con is, how Sailor Moon is still such a thing and Dr. Seuss still such a thing, like your connections are timeless. Those are all of our questions. Is there anything, any special message you want to share with uh, our listeners? This is Arthur J. Dillard again. I just personally just want to say um, thank you. Um, to you all to wanting to continue to be young readers, to possible illustrators, to possible authors, you know, sky's the limit, continue to push the bar forward. Hope you enjoyed the interview and the message that we're presenting to you guys um, will be helpful for you within the near future. And uh, believe in yourself, knowing that is not what I don't like to do is give scripted information, but believe in yourself. And I think what really worked for me to kind of help mold me going into my adulthood and my career is um, I had people who had faith and also supported things that I did growing up. I didn't take advantage of it then, 
But as you get older, I was very grateful for it. So that would be my message to you guys and also to you, the librarians and the educators. Thank you guys so much. I can't thank you enough. Because of you all um, taking heed and enjoying the series um, is doing very well, you know, throughout the market. So I just want to say, you know, personally, thank to you guys as well as the young readers and uh, more to come. Thank you. I mean, we're, we're just so grateful for you to bring JD into the world. And I know so many kids are just going to really relate and enjoy his story so much. Akeem, did you have yeah. any last words for our readers? <laughs> I, uh, I guess my last words would be just basically never stop learning. Never think that you know everything. You can always learn from can learn something from a little kid like I you know it's just like you're never too old to learn something new it's just like taking that information especially when you're young you can you can always learn to grow thank you both so much we are so appreciative of your time today and can't wait for kids to get to know not only your book but also you through the podcast we really appreciate this opportunity that's it for this week's episode of Nutmeg Book Drops Elementary Edition. You can find out more about our podcast at our website, bit.ly slash librariansconnect. Subscribe to our podcast to be notified when the next episode drops. Thanks so much for listening.